you guys doing? Sweet. You're moving me around. I like it. All right. It's perfect. So week four of Grace and Truth. Last one. We're going to wrap this all up. And man, I am, I'm excited. This is a good one. I'm probably biased, though. I think they're all good. Maybe it's because I write them. But I really am pumped. This is my prayer as I was writing through this and praying through this is that it would be something that would be challenging to you. It would be something that would, would push you to, to something you're not used to, something that's not normal. Because in this series of Grace and Truth, we've talked about this idea of standing firm and standing up for what we believe in and doing it with grace and truth because society maybe says we can't have both, that you either get one or the other, but we've said you can. And even though it might not be easy or normal, we wanted to look at what Daniel's life had to say about how we do these things. So we're going to wrap up this series and look through like eight chapters of the book of Daniel. Are you guys on board for eight chapters? Somebody over there said, they're the only person who told the truth. We're not doing eight chapters, just seven. But last week we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they stood firm, that they, they stood up for what they believed in. When they were told to bow down to something, they're like, no, this is what we believe in. So they stood up for what they believed in, but there's, there's a wrong way to, to stand up. There's a way to stand up where you don't do any good for, for the kingdom, for God. You, you're doing nothing but harm. There's a way to stand up so aggressively and loud and mean that it's problematic. Has anybody ever met someone or had a conversation where you felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but we all probably have, right? There's that person that, that hits people with their Bible. I hope not, but you know what I'm talking about, Bible beaters? You heard that phrase? Have you heard of the phrase Bible beaters? Great. There are people just kind of stand a little, maybe too firm, with this too much of an attitude. So I, some of you may have heard there's a, there's a particular church that they're known for standing firm at different events, concerts, funerals. Like they're literally all over the place standing firm for what they believe in. And I, I scrolled through the internet and pulled a few pictures. And as I, I, I scrolled through pictures, I had to work really hard to find ones that were not too offensive. Because uh, this particular group of Christians, they stand firm in what they believe. They're, they're loud and, and they argue with people and, and they, they yell in the face of sinners. God is your enemy, right? America is doomed, no peace for the wicked. Like they just, they, they, they're kind of aggressive. You can, you can take that off. And they stand super firm, they don't budge. I've seen them in real life. I've been to concerts, and I've seen them out front picketing. I saw them at a Lecrae concert, who is a Christian rapper, but rap is from the devil. So they showed up. Like, like, they stand a little too firm, maybe, for what they believe in. There, there's no love in that. There's no love in how they present their message. There's no love in the way they communicate to others, and we don't want that to be who we are. So if just standing firm isn't the only goal, then what is our goal? I think it's in this verse right here. John 13, 35, it says, All people will know you are my disciples if you blank. Well, let's pretend you didn't know the answer. Because some of you do. Way to go, by the way. All people will know you are my disciples if you show up to bridge students every week, right? <laughs> if you bring your Bible, if you take notes, if you read your Bible, if you pray once a year. Hashtag goals. I mean, you, you, the list could go on. Like, if I'm nice to someone every now and like, but, but here's what Scripture says, right? It says, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. 
I heard some of you guys say it. That they won't know your disciples by how much scripture you quote to them or how many signs you walk around with at Lecrae concerts. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you love other people. Why? Because this idea of love is not normal. At least it's easy to love your friends, your mom, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. Hopefully those things are easier lovers. But it's hard to love people that you don't agree with. It's hard to love people that get on your nerves. Maybe that's where your brothers and sisters belong in that category. It's hard to love some people. It's not, it's not as easy. But this scripture says that, that he'll, we'll know who his disciples are by the way we love one another. And we want to be a group that does that, that has this love, that stands firm in what we believe, that can stand up and defend our faith and the things we, we believe in, but we, we present it with this message of love. Because you can't antagonize and influence at the same time. Do you want to have an impact on the people around you? Because you can't antagonize them. You can't be mean to them. You can't make fun of them. You can't tell them that they're going to hell. It may be true, but you can't say that to people. It doesn't work that way. You, you've got to be kind and, and show this idea of love. I mean, a pastor said, you can't win your enemies to Christ, so don't have any. That's difficult. It's difficult to not have people that you don't like, you don't get along with. So tonight's going to be simple and straightforward. I've gotten a few uh, emails in my, in my time with you guys. I'm quickly coming towards my year mark of people that think I should go deeper. I should teach more theological conversations. I thought we were teaching theology, but that I, I should know more about Greek and Hebrew. Well, for anybody that sends me those emails, when someone is drowning, they don't want the Greek word for life raft. They want a life raft, right? <laughs> so it's going to be real simple, real simple, real practical of how we actually do these things and, and live in a world that, that says we can't have grace and truth. So let's dive in. There's a lot of misconceptions in Christianity of how we can love other people, how we can reach the world. Maybe it's my holy sign, but there, there's things that are wrong. But I want to take a, a few minutes to point out that without love, it doesn't matter what I blank. We're going to look at five different things that, minute, without love, it doesn't matter what you do, right? So here's the first one. Without love, it doesn't matter what I say. If you're not speaking love to people, it will not matter what you say because your message won't be heard. How many of you take advice from people that are rude to you? Anybody? Yeah, me either. It's not where you want it. 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love passage, by the way. If you've ever been to a wedding, this is what they read because this is all about love. It's all how we treat people, care about people, and it's supposed to be the symbol of doing it the right way. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, the words you say without love are absolutely worthless. The Bible actually says they're annoying. They're annoying, the words you say. It's a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal if they're not with, with love. And that's not who we want to be. See, because God loves perfectly. And the way he says things is perfect. And some people think that they can love better than God, so they bend and adjust what they say to line up. It's like, well, if I say these things the right way, that I can love people better. But what God is saying is right. Ephesians 4, 15, it says that we need to speak the truth in love. There is truth we need to say. There is truth we need to stand for. But, the, but Ephesians says we need to do it in love. And just a side note, it goes down a little bit farther in Ephesians 4.29, and it talks about don't let corrupt things come out of your mouth. And it's going to be real hard to speak love when our mouths are full of garbage and junk we shouldn't be saying 
or we shouldn't be singing. Some of you know every word to some of these songs that if I read the lyrics right now, you'd be embarrassed for me. Because the words that come out of my mouth included, hear me, hear me, my mouth included, aren't what we should say. They aren't the wholesome talk. Guys, my mama's in the room. I hope she ain't listening right now. Mama, I say only good words. (laughs) But the words we say aren't always filled with love. They're corrupt and unwholesome. So without love, it doesn't matter what I know. I could care less how much knowledge you have of the Bible. Some of those people you saw holding the signs, they know more about Scripture than I'll ever know. But they got very little understanding of it. But they know it all. The Pharisees in the Bible, the people we see Jesus getting into their face, you know what? They, they memorized the Bible. If you have memorized the whole Bible, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. I'm just kidding. That wasn't a good song. Dang. It was a funny joke, right? <laughs> Fine. It goes back to what we say. Good point. <laughs> But what we say, sorry, I'm not on that. You got me all distracted now. What we know doesn't matter. The Pharisees memorized the whole Old Testament. That's impressive. That's impressive. I know like 27 verses max. Jesus wept as one of them. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it says this. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but do not have love, I am nothing doesn't matter what you know. Let's keep going. Without love, it doesn't matter what I believe. Some of you are like, I believe in Jesus. Great, so does the devil. I believe he's real. The devil believes he's real. But what you believe without love, it just doesn't matter. You can't communicate something you believe in with hate. Let's keep reading 1 Corinthians 13, 2. It says, if I have faith that can move mountains. Can any of y'all's faith move a mountain? That's impressive. But do not have love. What's it say? It says, I am. It doesn't matter what you believe in. What you have faith in. Without love, you have nothing. The next one. Without love, it doesn't matter what I give. There's quite a few people in the world that that, that think they can give their way into heaven. They think they can give enough that it's okay, that it's going to make themselves. You and I may not be there because we don't have a ton of money. But some people think they can give all that they have and it will be worth something. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, keep reading, says, If I give all I possess to the poor, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Because no matter what you give, it will never be enough. Last one, without love, it doesn't matter what I do. Keep reading in Corinthians. It says, If I give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here's the whole point, guys. Skip forward two slides for me. Life minus love equals nothing. Because it doesn't matter any of these things if they don't have love in them. If they're not presented in a way where people can hear them, it won't matter. What Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did would not have had any value if all they did was talk and run their mouths and talk about how much scripture they had memorized, but didn't do it with any kind of love or grace. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Let Love be your aim. That should be our goal. What we're driving for is to love people, to care about those people around us. Galatians 5, 6 says, it says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters, only faith displayed through love. 
You see, what they were calling out in that scripture says it doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are. It doesn't matter how many notes you take or how many times you bring your Bible, your real Bible, not your cell phone because you're a real good Christian. It doesn't matter how much small group you go to or how many prayer requests you have that are actually gossip. It doesn't matter what you do. If you do it without love, it won't have any value. But faith expressed through love is what worth something. It's where it's at. So last week we left off where these three friends are... Uh, have a chance to bow down to the statue or to stand up for what they believe. We see they stand up for what they believe. And if you know the story, they then get thrown into a fiery furnace. They get, they get thrown into a fire that was so hot that when the people got close to throw them in, they caught on fire and burned and died. And so now there's three men in the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar, this is cool, right? Because this is why we want to stand firm and, and love well. Because, see, King Nebuchadnezzar sees these three men in there. But he doesn't just see them. He sees Jesus in there with them. He realizes that these men, that the God they're following was real. That what they stood up for was, was real. There was value in it. And so what these three men did was changing the king's life. Because not only did they stand firm and speak the truth, but they did it in a way where their words were heard in love. And now that they're at a place where they get the opportunity to show what God can do, he believes them. And he sees what's happening to them. And, and, and some of you, I just want to point out, some of you may feel like your life, you're kind of in a fire right now. You feel like everything around you is burning and it's just terrible and tough. My wife and I described uh, the first child we had, we brought home. We described that first year like we were living in a house that was on fire. It was the worst. The worst. It was horrible. Everything just felt disastrous and like it didn't work out. And, and, and some of you feel like your life, like you're kind of in this fire right now. But what's amazing about these three men in this fire is that God was using this fire not to burn them, but to burn the things that held them bondage, that held them in captivity. So you may feel like you're in some fire of punishment, but God may have you in a fire of refinement only to help you find more freedom. You, you tracking with me? You see what I'm saying? These men weren't being hurt, but what was holding them captive was being removed. Can any of you relate to that? There's something in your life right now that's holding you captive and you need a fire to remove it? Can any of you relate to that? No? All right, we're going to the next point then. <laughs> I think we all can relate to that. But it's hard to say, it's hard to vocalize that there are things in our life that are harming us. It's not punishment, it's refining. But these guys in this fire, man, these actions were changing this king's life. This king was starting to believe in what they were telling them because what he was seeing. And Daniel's life continued this way. He continued to live a life that he stood for what he believed in. And, and it gets to this point where Daniel actually gets promoted so high that the other people hated it. So they decided they needed to bring him down. And the only way they could do that was by to pass a law that he couldn't pray to God, and then he'd be in trouble. So that's what ends up happening. Daniel ends up getting thrown in the lines. Then later, the story goes on and on. You should keep reading it. But what I want to point out is that Daniel continued to stand firm, but he didn't do it in this argumentative state. He didn't do it holding a sign. He did it with love, just simply saying, then this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm going to do. And he lived in a culture where it was difficult, but he continued to do it. His life was tough. It didn't get easy. But, but love requires this. Love like Daniel required him to stand firm for what he believed so that he could also live well. So these last few minutes, we're going to look at what Daniel did, that what we can do. I told you this message would be simple and practical. Well, here it is. If you take notes, this is your time. If you're pretending to take notes on your cell phone, text these to your friend because they need to hear it too. In order to love like Daniel, we have to. 
All right, we're going to look at four things in order to love like Daniel. We have to do these things. In order to love like Daniel, we have to serve them. We have to serve people around us. We have to care about people around us. Uh, back in 1 Corinthians 9.19, it says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You see, Paul understood that there was something he had to do to give his life to people so that they would know who he belonged to. The first verse we read, it said, You will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. We have to serve people. And this is super practical. Man, there are opportunities around you to serve other people. Maybe it's as simple as turning the TV off and helping your mom or dad bring in the groceries. Somebody said, oh. Maybe it's as simple as when you see somebody walking in class that's got too many books, grab a few and help them. Or, or when you see someone who drops all their books, stop and pick them up. Man, we have to be known as a group of people that goes out of our way to help other people. That goes out of our way to serve those around us. In order to love like Daniel, we have to stand with them. Matthew 25, I'm going to read a scripture. But where the scripture is taking place is Jesus is talking about when people get to heaven. That, that people will be sorted out, right, by those that get into heaven and those that do not. And he talks about how, how he's going to sort them out. And he says, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it. To me, the scripture, he was listing things that where they stood up for the poor, where they stood up for the weak, the people that didn't have clothes and homes, where, where, where people stood up for other people. Super practical, stand with them. Some of you know these people that you should stand up for. Some of you sit in a lunch table as people point and mock at other people in the lunchroom, and you're okay with it. Some of you do that in your small groups here in just a minute. You sit in your small group and you're a part of a conversation as you make fun of another person. Why? Because it's easy. Because it's funny. And it's, it's not easy to stand up. The easy thing is to make the joke, but people will know you are different by the way you love one another. And when you stand up with people, you show how much you love them. In order to love like Daniel, we have to sit with them. I know it makes perfect sense. I'm like, stand up, sit down. Here's my only point on this one. Super practical. Some people around you are walking through difficult things in life, and you just need to be with them in the moment. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to give them words. You just need to be with them. You need to take away from your time just to be with people and sit with them and experience what they're experiencing because it's hard to stand up for people that you've never sat with. It's hard to stand up for someone who's different than you that you've never sat down and had a conversation about. Sure, it's easy to make fun of someone you've never had a conversation with because you don't know anything about them. They probably make fun of you too. So we got to take the time to sit with them. The last one here in Daniel's life, his whole life was for this point right here. In order to love like Daniel, we have to share Christ with them. And we have to have conversations with people, inviting them to church, telling them what we're a part of, telling them what God has done in your heart. First Peter, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And you don't have to build some case of why Christianity works or why the Bible is right. Guys, I don't have all the answers. I actually had a conversation a few months ago. Someone asked me, how do you know that, that the Bible is true? I'm like, man, I don't know. But can I tell you what Jesus did for me? He said, well, how do you know that the ark was built? Like, that's, that would be hard to do now. I'm like, dude, I don't know. 
I wasn't there, but can I tell you what Jesus did for me? He's like, well, well how do you know? I'm like, bro, I, I don't know. Are you hearing me? I don't know either. But you don't have to know. All you have to know is what, what you feel. It says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Not that the, the Bible says or your friend has that you have. It's all you got to talk about. And the, the, the point of all of this, it is more important what I do because of love than what I say about love. It's more important what I do because of love than what I say about love. I mean, you could talk all day. I'm with you. I could talk all day long about all kinds of things, but everything I say will not have value if I don't do things to back it up, if I don't have love in my life.